Hey, Warriors, and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I'm so glad that, you know, I get to do this every single week. It's really enjoyable, and this week has been a really good week. Um, still no place yet. Unfortunately, every single place that keeps popping up is either worst part of town right now or like right now they've been actually really low square footage for the price they're trying to get you to rent but i am hopeful um i'm not sure what god's trying to do why he's prolonging this a little bit it may be just the right timing it may be just something specific he wants us to like learn here first before we go i, I don't know but i do know that as long as i am trusting in him that he has a plan and he's just going to put it together <coughs> also this week well, not even this week, but something I've been kind of actually, I joined this one group recently and I'm not going to give the name because I was kind of hoping it was going to be a little bit more on talking about pastors and teachers who are not teaching correctly and kind of go through that and, and, and kind of point a lot of stuff, but it's been kind of weirdly interesting. Uh, some of the conversations are interesting. I, I still think some people are just not really good at understanding scripture so like they use it but they're not really paying attention to what the context is very well and so there's a lot of different views but anyway it's kind of interesting because they are a group from another group that was pretty weirdly like strict and very I don't know. It was just, it was just, I didn't feel right when I was a part of that group, but I found out this other group exists and they're supposedly the, they're, they're not, they're like exiled from that other group basically. And it's because they're a little bit more allowance. They don't have such weird rules that this other group had. And that made me start, you know, thinking about a lot of times what we have issues in the church a lot with different views and different ideas and different perspectives. But then I also, uh, my wife, if you have guys have not watched The Chosen, you probably should. Um, I'm not a big advocate to most Christian movies and TV shows, but after watching The Chosen, I actually have found it. I've liked it. And then actually there is an interview with John Cooper talking to Dallas Jenkins, which is the guy who basically produced all of uh, The Chosen. And by the way, if you did not know, he is the son of the Jenkins who wrote the Left Behind series. And he, when he decided to do this TV series, he wanted to keep it so like strictly theologically arced with scripture. So of course, you know, detailed information is created to create the atmosphere of a show. And we understand that if you can't get past that, then don't watch it. But if you can understand that, hey, there has to be some creativity and you have to kind of create the image, but still keeping to scripture, it can actually be pretty powerful. And so far from what my wife and I have watched just in the first season, I think we're in episode eight, maybe or nine. I'm not sure. But anyway, it is very like we could maybe just watch one episode at a time and take a break because there's just so much emotion around everything that they did with that. And I know, and like, like that one, one group I'm a part of, um, for some reason, just because you have emotion, people automatically think you're now progressive or you're like, You're not listening to scripture. You're not listening to the Holy Spirit. And I and I have this thing about the, you got to understand. 
you can have emotion in your worship. You can have emotion in your prayer. You can have emotion in, in your preaching. You can have emotion with God. And one of the things I have not been liking to hear is the negativity towards having emotion towards God. I do understand that there is some, like worship is designed in many cases, purposely designed to build emotion into people, not necessarily worship into people. And the thing is, I understand there is a wrong line to cross. So don't get me wrong. I think there's a time for emotion and then there's time for not emotion. Worship music and feeling the Holy Spirit moving you doesn't mean that you're just being emotional. And that's not the Holy Spirit. That's that's not right either. Because if you're worshiping, you're giving your whole heart to God, your, your whole moment. If it's not for a selfish desire, you, you can see the difference. You know, David worshiped and danced and he, he went out on the street when the ark came. And remember, like, it was just the ark that came. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a church service. There wasn't like a band playing on, on the, on the stage. There wasn't like this, all this like emotional music, but I could tell you this, if you ever listen to Jews do their, like, I, I call it like, I forget what it's called, but it's like sing talking when they sing and, and speaking out scripture, it's beautiful. It's powerful. It's emotional. It, it connects, you connects your, the words of God to God, basically, because remember God's word is his word. It's beautiful. And the thing is, I do believe that you can have emotion as long as it's not the whole reason behind why you're doing worship is to have the emotion. Like there's this fine line. You can't cross it because that's the big thing about progressiveness is that they're trying to make you feel a spiritual emotion. And that's not how it, that's not how it is. That's not how it works. You're supposed to focus on who God is. Like worship is worshiping God. Okay. So that being said, all this conversation also has kind of led me to going back to something I noticed in The Chosen, which was about the Pharisees and the, the priests and how they were dressed because in there, and I, I know this is a little bit of a spoiler, but Nicodemus approaches the whole priesthood and tells them that he went to meet John the Baptist and he, he was in prison. So he had to go to prison to meet him and he talked to him and he found no fault in him of any kind. He wasn't speaking heresy, but yet he made the comment that, but he doesn't dress he, he dresses unconventionally. And if you know, John was wearing like, you know, a robe and then he had like furs on him. And that wasn't in his, like for someone who's preaching or teaching, they usually are not going to be dressed and whatever, you know, that you, you, if you go and read the scriptures, it's very much, if you know how the Pharisees dress the Sadducees and you know, the priesthood, all of them, they dress in these nice garbs, really, really pristine garbs. And of course it was not cheap. It was not cheap clothing that they're wearing. And it was very fascinating to me because I realized that we have kind of in our culture have kind of recreated that concept of dress for church. We dressed for like what pastors are supposed to look like. Now I want you to be mindful. I'm not talking that a pastor should come in as skibbies and, and preach the truth. 
but I think we have to be careful how legalistic we have become and how people are supposed to dress. Because there's a fine, once again, a fine line. Modesty is very important. So I'm not saying that women can come in their bikinis and, and just stand there. No, there needs to be a form of modesty because you're supposed to protect our, protect our bodies and ourselves. As men too, we're not supposed to be dressing skimpy. We should be protecting our bodies and, and how we approach other people. Because the thing is, you know, we know in our culture today, it's not my problem that you can't control yourself. You need to do it. No, no, no. It's both ways. You need to also watch out how you could be a stumbling block to other people. Moving on to from that, the idea was that I kind of noticed that as I was watching the show, there is this type of connection to, I don't know what the word would be, but a hierarchy perspective of the church versus people who want to speak truth. I don't know how to really say it correctly. So the wordage I've used in the past was that I, I think there is kind of a uh, pastor leadership culture perspective of what a pastor should look like, how they should talk, how they should act, and how they should be. And then if you want to even add the type of education they need to have to be considered a pastor, which is one of the battles I've had. It was because my education wasn't a seminary degree, so therefore I need to go get that. Otherwise, I can't become one, which is not true and should not be even a part of that. I think there should be some education. And I do think maybe getting a bachelor should be enough because a lot of times ministry is by actually ministering. It's not education. So that being said, there's also another series that are not really series. Well, they kind of have a series, but they did videos called Enemies Within the Church. Um, that actually is pretty cool. It's on YouTube. Anybody can watch it and there's no subscription for it. Uh, it's mostly about the, the Southern Baptist Convention situation a story through that but it's very interesting to hear i'm not you know i'm not saying i'm not picking sides i'm not whatever i just if you are interested to hear what's being said i would recommend watching it because it's very interesting and it's a concern to me that's not just in the southern baptist convention group it's actually in the church as a whole there is teachings getting pushed in our younger generations of pastors to be a little bit more accepting to culture views, to be a little bit more accepting to social justice views, being a little bit more accepting to um, basically like uh, systematic racism, to be a little bit more accepting to CRT. And as much as we want to say that our church will never be that way, our church is very strong, you can also watch another video that they also did on the First Baptist Church of Naples, Florida, where you can see a church that thought there's no way that that stuff could get in their church. And it got in. You see, I'm talking all this to get to the story of Elijah. And Elijah is one of my favorite prophets. He kind of reminds me of Paul. And if 
you know, in the past, I didn't like Paul for a very long time until I actually took a class in X, which was very interesting that I actually just like I understood. I understood why Paul was the way that he was. But Elijah has always been someone that I've always liked. And it's kind of funny because of how similar Elijah and Paul are. But I was listening to a sermon about basically like false teachers and stuff like that. He took the story in a perspective I never really thought about when I was reading this. Because we know that by this time, Ahab and Jezebel had basically been ousting out prophets of the Lord to so they could fill in their prophets of Baal and prophets of Asherah into Israel. Because you remember Ahab was the king of Israel. Jezebel is not Israeli. And she brought in her stuff. And Ahab has... It's really interesting because I, I may do another sermon again about the Jezebel spirit again with, with more clarity about what I learned over these years, especially because it's changed since the last time I actually talked about it, uh, about how, how I met, I've changed. So it has, I have a better understanding for things, but to be clear, the uh, concept in this situation, Ahab is very passive and Jezebel is very assertive. Her desire is to destroy anything that will destroy what she wants. Ahab is willing to destroy anything, but he doesn't do it in his own hands. He needs someone else to do it for him, so Jezebel does it for him. But Ahab is not no innocent person in the situation. He's actually a very evil king. And by this time, Elijah thinks he's like the only prophet alive, but God's like, ah, dude, you're not. You know, you're not the only one, so... Don't put yourself at a high horse. Just like what I try to say, I'm not the only person that thinks like this about church issues. I'm starting to meet more people. And if you really would like to uh, see what other people have been seeing, like I told you, John Cooper is a good example. And uh, Alyssa Childers. Also, she's been talking about stuff that's been going on. And then they're all connected to other pastors and other churches and other book writers who are also noticing the deconstruction issues of the church. They've been noticing the progressiveness game pushed in the church. And then, of course, if you guys are really interested in seeing what progressiveness is starting to like, what it really looks like, you can go watch that documentary on Hillsong that's on uh, Discovery Plus. A lot of stuff you can learn from all this stuff. But anyway... Elijah in this situation is now approaching the idea of meeting with Ahab because God told him to, for one, uh, because they've been in a drought for the past few years and God's going to bring water, but he wants to send Elijah to confront King Ahab. Uh, Obadiah is basically a prophet who's hiding in the fold of Ahab and is a servant of Ahab uh, and Elijah approaches him and says I want to talk to your basically your boss and Obadiah is like dude do you want me to die and Elijah is like trust me I'm going to see him don't worry basically you know God says I'm going to see him I'm going to see him and he's like okay so 
we get to this point where it's in verse so we're in first kings 18 you can read the whole story yourself if you want go all the way down to verse 15 it says but elijah said i swear by the lord in whose presence i stand that i will present myself to ahab this very day and then obadiah is in verse 16 is like so obadiah went to tell ahab that elijah had come and ahab went out to meet elijah when Ahab saw him, he explained or exclaimed, so it is really you, the troublemaker of Israel. See, I have read this over and over again, but I never really thought about it until what I went through at my last job. That the one thing that people who are not following the Lord, who are doing their own thing for their own selfish desires, who are only concerned about their kingdom. They always blame the person who's trying to speak truth into them as the troublemaker. I want you to think about that, let that sink in a little bit. So in this case, before we get to the next one, Ahab is calling Elijah the troublemaker of Israel. And the reason why he's pointing that out is because he sees Elijah as a thorn in his side for the way he wants to lead Israel. Now, if we were to rephrase it, it's like having a pastor who sees someone who is speaking truth, who's attacking or uh, is affecting the church kingdom that he has created, the comfort and the control and the power and the money that he's getting because this guy or woman is coming into the church and changing the feel of the church. I mean, it makes sense why Jezebel and Ahab have got rid of prophets. Now I want you to understand that Obadiah has been hiding a bunch of prophets, at least a hundred of them. And he like basically you know elijah i'm sure he's just kind of rolling his eyes like oh, okay so in verse 18 he goes i have made no trouble for israel elijah replied you and your family are the troublemakers for you have re refused to obey the commands of god and have worship images of baal instead or baal now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with the 400 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who are supported by Jezebel. You see, the whole concept about, you know, the story that we have always heard, you know, the contest of Mount Carmel or, you know, the, the, the fire that comes raining down because Elijah calls upon God. But when the prophets are doing it, you know, he mocks them, right? But you got to understand something about you and I, if we stand up for truth, we're going to be considered troublemakers. And if you watch the videos that are in YouTube, especially the one on the First Baptist Church of Naples, 18 people were exiled from that church and accused to be racist and divisive and troublemakers among the church for standing up for truth for standing up for what was right standing up against what were things that were going to destroy their church but they're willing to speak up against it 
See, one of the things that we have forgotten in all these years in our culture is being on guard. We're not protecting ourselves. We're not protecting the church. We're not watching over truth. We're not studying the scriptures like we're supposed to. And so what happens is we see a collapse in understanding of truth. Because if you're not teaching it, the next generation is getting taught a different view than what I was taught. And though we emphasize Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, they forget that the little bits of detail of understanding and talking about truth, like the story, when we speak up against those that are supposed to be our brothers and sisters in Christ, and in this case for Elijah, Israel, his people, you start seeing that there is a comparison in time frame. Remember I talked about how the Sadducees and the Pharisees were all dressed in a certain way and they treated everybody else who did not very differently. And anybody who stood up against or said anything against them were considered heretics, troublemakers, and were imprisoned like John the Baptist, who were... Um, even accused of starting a rebellion against Rome. They would do everything and anything to stop the fire that God is trying to start with lies and deceptive talk. Because you got to understand, you see, Ahab said when, when he saw him, he said, it is, is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? See, you got to understand something. What do you think Ahab is doing? In, in other words, sharing to the people of Israel. He is speaking that Elijah is a troublemaker. It's very interesting because I understand this now. I've been through it. I've seen someone try to destroy my character, my wife's character, trying to say I wasn't fit to be a youth pastor or even a youth leader or even apparently a leader at all for a church. So you got to understand Elijah's character was probably pretty damaged by what Ahab and even Jezebel were sharing and anybody else who was willing to follow them without question. Now, they're, they're, when you think about it, Elijah's the only one in this situation standing up against him 100%, which technically is sent by God to do it. Obadiah, you know, yeah, he's saving all those people, but he wouldn't even speak up against them. Now, I, I appreciate Obadiah doing what he do, did to protect those hundred prophets, but at the same time, I also am very encouraged to see how Elijah steps up. You see, in our culture today, I am seeing more and more of a pharisaical or sagittal-like persona in people. And I'm not even talking about pastors I'm, I'm, and our Christian leader. I'm talking about like Christians in general. Because if you go all the way to Matthew 16, Jesus is talking and he basically speaks up, up against the Pharisees, Sadducees as usual. And you go to verse five, it says later after they crossed to the other side of the lake, disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any bread. And then Jesus goes, watch out. 
Jesus warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. At this, at this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought my, any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, you have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with loaves, five loaves and a basket of leftovers you picked up? Or the 4,000 I fed with, the, with seven loaves and a large basket of leftovers you picked up? Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about physical bread? So again, I say, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast and bread, but about the deceptive teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You see, one of the important things about paying attention, knowing your scriptures and being willing to step up when you need to, is if you don't, the teachings that are getting spread right now are going to spread like yeast. And if you know anything about yeast, when it gets wet, it spreads fast. It becomes like alive. So we need to be preparing ourselves for the changes or stepping up when we need to. We're going to take a quick break and we'll continue your conversation after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hey, Warriors, welcome back to the second half of the episode. And we were just talking about East. So the idea is, guys, that... As men of the church, we need to be on guard. You know, I've talked about the, the Bible verses that are part of the men's group. And, and the main one for me is 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. You got to remember and understand that those verses are very vital to understanding why people who are like me are getting wrecked by people who don't want see change in their community, let alone in the church, because it's taking away the ability and power. Do you think the Pharisees were loving the fact that Jesus was pounding on them? No. Why? Because they even planned to get, get him killed or get rid of him. Because they didn't want to lose that authority and power they had over the people. They liked the control. And any leader, if they're not following the scriptures, doesn't want to lose everything they've had. They don't want to lose the power over the church. They don't want to lose the money they get from the church. They don't want to lose any of that. And if you're coming in, you know, they've been there 12, 14, 15 years, and you're coming in and suddenly people are, are more fascinated by what you're teaching over what he's teaching. What do you think is going to happen? 
This is why it's so important to be wary of what's being taught. Pay attention. Listen to what your leaders are teaching. Listen to what even another member is teaching. Sometimes these deceptive teachers are not the pastors of the church. Sometimes they're the people that are just doing a Bible study on the side. It could be someone you know, and, and because they, they're connected to some other group or something, they're bringing in some ideologies that just don't fit. Your church is not safe just because right now no one's teaching such stuff. All it takes is hiring somebody or someone coming to church and just getting people to start thinking slightly different. Now we're going to go all the way to Second Peter 2. And I've, I, I read this and I was just like, wow, I've never really saw some of this stuff, but I can understand now. Okay, so starting in just one, it says, but there were false teachers, false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teachings and shameful immorality and because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to, to get hold of your money. But God condemned them a long, long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. So you got to understand, you know, we always think of evil teachings and shameful immorality as blatant in your face. But as if you watch the documentary on Hillsong, it wasn't in the face. There were so many people who were jumping behind Carl Lentz. Right? And then when the truth came out, they started seeing all the different pieces connecting all the way back because there was issues even long before he was New York City's Hillsong's pastor. You see... These people that are coming in, they're, they're smart. It doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean they don't get caught, but they're smart. Sometimes the lies and the false teachings that come through are not going to be in your face. You're, you're not going to necessarily know that it's wrong. Because it's all about molding and teaching people trust it's building trust if i can come to you and build a relationship of trust with you and then i start slipping ideas to you you're going to be more willing to accept the ideas without question because you trust me a good wolf a good deceptive teacher a good pharisee is going to look the part. It's going to appear the part. And I'm not going after anybody specific. I'm not saying if you have a pastor who wear, you know, tie shirt, pants, coat of any kind, I'm not saying he's a Pharisee, but I have noticed pharisaical 
mindsets and views on how pastors should look, act, or appear that are not of the Bible, that are being enforced or pushed. So I, I want I want to clarify that there's still biblical understanding and biblical writing of what a pastor is supposed to be. My issue is the focus on all these attributes that a pastor should have based on human standard over God's standard. I could tell you this, if John the Baptist walked into a church looking for a job at our current churches today, he would not be hired because he didn't dress like it. He didn't act like one. And he definitely was not going to be walking around dressed up in a tie suit and pants and a Bible in his hand. And the same thing, even with Jesus, I don't think he was dressed in nice clothing when he was going around doing his ministry. See, that's the part I'm trying to, to clarify is that we need to stop focusing on all these standards of, of, of systematic looks and appearances and make sure the person that is standing up on our church floor preaching and teaching is preaching the gospel message from Scripture. If a pastor wants to wear a $400 suit, fine. But stop looking at them by their appearance and make sure you pay attention to what they are saying. Because if you know anything about what happened with Carl Lentz, the people that found out the truth and how deceived they were, all they saw was this man who was good looking, powerful words, appeared right in the way he dressed. And the whole thing was very visually focused. And guess what? The enemy knows that we are very visually focused. Later on in this chapter says, you, so you see the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of, of final judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. Sometimes what we see has motivations from whatever happened, the past issues or whatever, and who despise authority, sometimes that authority is not necessarily directed at the leadership of a church, but it's directed in how they perceive God's commandments. But I will say it is also for us, any, anybody who is a member of a church versus a leader of a church, you need to be mindful as well. People that are put in authority are put in authority by God, and especially if they're following the scriptures and they're doing what is right in the Lord's eyes, you should respect that authority that they have over you as, as you are a member of their church. I'll just think about that for a second. But if we continue, it says, These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural things without such, without so much as trembling. But the angels, who are far greater in power and strength, do not dare to bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against those supernatural beings. These false teachers are like angels unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. 
They scoff at things they do not understand, and, and like animals, they will be destroyed. The destruction and their reward for the harm that they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellow fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into their sin, and they are well-trained in greed. They live under God's cure, curse. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. And I continue. These people are useless as dried up springs or as mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness they drag or brag about themselves with empty foolish boasting with an appeal to twist to twisted sexual desires they lure back in into the sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception they promise freedom but they themselves are slaves to sin of sin and corruption for you are a slave to whatever controls you people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and, and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of his proverb. A dog returns to his vomit and anyone says, a wash pig returns to the mud. See, the thing is, guys, if we're being easily decepted by these people who call themselves leaders, if we're people who are followers of God, and they're causing you to go back to the same problems that you've had already, there's something off and wrong. If your church is hiding itself and not out in the open with people, you can be easily, you may think you're safe for the time, but eventually your church is either going to start dying off or someone's going to come in and it's going to change it. Because when you get to a point where you're not doing anything, people get hungry to do something. And if someone comes in with an, with an agenda that could change everything, you're going to find people jumping on board. There is no way that any of us can protect the church by shutting the doors. The church people need to be out amongst the people because the goal is to reach out to the lost. And people who are going to come in as false teachers are going to satisfy what people's desires are. Because, For example, power. A wolf will come in and make you feel like you got power. A wolf is going to come in and is going to allow you to feel like you are amazing. That you, there's no one else that could fulfill what you have done. Now, it doesn't mean if someone's encouraging you to like to, to follow your gifts, to do like to get involved in the church, to do that. That's not what I'm talking about. People 
who are deceptive, false teachers, Pharisees, who are wolves in sheep's clothing, all they care about is themselves and what they get from it. And you may be a tool for them to get there. Because if you've ever watched someone who got power and then once after a while, suddenly they lose that power and it's like they got thrown to the side, but the person that gave them got even better. That's something a red flag to even consider. Why? Because I've seen it and I know what it looks like and it's scary that people do this. This is why it's so important to me to help you understand that, yes, we're supposed to love each other in Christ. Yes, we're supposed to be there for one another in Christ. Yes, we're supposed to think about unity. But the truth is you need to be wary that there is people who call themselves brothers and sisters in Christ who do not have the desire to for unity and don't have any desire to love you. Because... Second Peter 2 tells us that there's going to be people like that. And it's not going to be blatant. And if we go back to Elijah, you know, the, the, the prophets that of Baal and Asherah did everything to get their God to do something and nothing happened. Elijah mocked them. And then he made his altar poured water on it and anybody knows you pour water on wood it does not burn and yet a giant fireball came down and consumed it all our god proves himself over and over again and yet we're still more interested in finding some agenda something to feel important to besides sharing the gospel to other people. We would rather be those prophets and be with a bunch of people and everybody's, everything is going well and everybody's serving and everybody's a part of some great church following some great pastor than being Elijah and speaking up for truth and listening to the Lord. This is why it's so important to make sure that you're not following a pastor, but you're following Jesus. There's a big danger with anybody who's in a position of leadership as a pastor or a Bible study leader. Even myself, I have to remind myself. The danger is people follow you and not God. People follow you and not God. Paul even confronts this when they start saying, I'm a follower of Paul. And he says, no, no, no. I'm a follower of Jesus. And that's who you're supposed to follow. I'm just here to teach you. That's it. And that's my mindset. I'm here to teach. I'm not here for you to follow me. My hope is that as I teach you stuff, you go and learn, you go and study, you grow in your faith, and you thank God for it. That you grow 
in Christ, not in Pastor Dito. I want you to think about that. People who come into our churches, is their motivation for you to follow them and to see them become a famous glorifying pastor that everybody knows about? Because I could tell you this, I don't care if I am never asked by any other pastor to preach at their church, whether they're, if they're a big church or not, I don't care. I am not interested in getting fame. I'm interested in the people I get to impact. I'm interested in the church family I get to be with. And I'm interested in seeing the ministries that we're going to do to be a change in our culture and whoever that we are around. And that's all I care about because I, all I care about is that God will move. The Holy spirit will change and people will seek God out. That's all I care about. And I want to keep caring only about that. And I don't want to deceive myself. I don't want to fall into any of the traps of being a Pharisee or a false teacher. I don't want to become a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I have to make sure to protect my heart and mind to not fall into any of those traps, just like many pastors have in the, in the, in the past. And that's even to any of you guys. As you grow in your faith, as you study, as you spend time in God's word, as you start studying it yourself and memorizing and, and learning and starting to bring all these commandments into your life. And as you lead your family, as you maybe lead at your church, as you become men of God who are warriors for Christ and for the truth, that you always remember, you put that in your, in your, in your mind to stay humble and that it is God and not you that you and I are not more important than everybody else, that we understand that there is a change coming in our church because there is issues in many churches. And the churches who are walking in truth and teaching of truth need to step up. Open up your doors and start reaching out because we're going to lose our Christian culture. All of our young pastors and young people that are coming out of these Christian schools are starting to get these teachings by certain people teachers. It may not be everybody in the school. It could be just a few pastors or professors coming in and teaching this different ideology that's not biblical. And this is why it's really important as a church to make sure we're teaching people to study their scriptures, to know their scriptures, because it's not that much to twist it enough to sound pretty to be acceptable because people love to feel important and part of something and we all are we got to remember we are here to share the gospel tell people about jesus share our testimonies share our experiences so that they can too can find christ as we did and we can't lose sight of that and someday we might stand on the mountain competing against other people who are trying to bring in another ideology. And we may have to speak up. You yourself could be a podcaster who's, who's teaching such things. You could be a pastor. You could be maybe just a deacon in your church, an elder in your church. You could be a, you know, one of the preaching leaders or you know part of the small groups. And you might have to speak up on that Mount Carmel of a mountain in your church. 
against something that you know is not biblical. And the th and you know what the cool part is? You won't be alone. And many, ta many times there's other people who start seeing it. And, and even if they can't make the change, even if you can't make the change in your church, and even though it may seem like the wicked is winning or those that are, are just not listening to God may have gotten what they wanted out of it, God's still going to bless you for honoring him. And he is going to do something. And we just got to understand that. Well, that's all for this week. Still thinking about how I want to title this, but um, I hope you all have a good week and I, I pray that the Lord will bless you. I hope this will be a blessing. I hope that you will grow in your faith even more this week. Let, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I ask that you just keep encouraging the men and even women that are listening to this, that you just allow them to be moved. Allow them to listen to the Holy Spirit. Allow them to pay attention, to be on guard and recognize that sometimes the fault teaching and deceptiveness and the pharisaic peoples that are in their church may not be in the leadership role, but maybe part of it, like an elder. Maybe it's a deacon. Maybe it's the person teaching Sunday school in a little kid section. But that they are aware and paying attention to the teachings that are being taught and making sure scripture matches it. I pray that you you move these men to start being more aware of what's going on in their church, but also be more aware of what they're doing because maybe they're in this position and they're starting to kind of get a little bit more big-headed about the position they've been given. Remind them that people are supposed to be following you, not them. I pray, Lord, that you move people this week that they see start seeing change in their in their life and then they start seeing change in their church and they start seeing change in their communities i pray this in jesus name amen guys gals i, I hope you have a great week i really do i pray that you take time to really think about a lot of things in your life personally but even what's going on in your church pay attention Pay attention. Well, I look forward to seeing you guys next week, and God bless.